If you will, go ahead and uh, turn in your Bible to Revelation 21. Sometimes come to days like this and we get kind of out of whack and uh, uh, we forget the very reason that we're here. We're talking, we're here to hear the Word of God. A lot of things are going on today. I don't want you to be distracted. Today I want to talk to you from Revelation 21 about the subject, A Little Taste of Heaven. A Little Taste of Heaven. Years ago, Lanny Wolf wrote a song about heaven. It says, Heaven, I've had a little taste of heaven. Want to go where the milk and honey flow? No more sorrow, pain, or woe. I've had a little taste of heaven. And I want to go there. Then in 1999, Bart Millard wrote these wonderful words that took the world by storm. I can only imagine what it'll be like. And then he said, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Well, well I dance for you, Jesus. Now, Baptists, you need to get over your dancing aversion because the Bible says there's a time to dance, okay? And it's going to happen up there. Truth is, is that everybody wants to talk about heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Everybody wants to be there. But I made some observations is that sometimes our motivation for wanting to go to heaven is not right. Man, I can't wait to see my mama, my daddy, my grandma, my granddad. All of those are fine and good. And you may see them. They may not be your kinfolk like they were down here. That disappoints some of you. But the truth is is that the very reason that we go to heaven is because of the one who made the way for us to get there, to see Him. You know, when, when, I, when I think about those things in heaven, I, I'm, I'm reminded of how to get there, goodness. Dr. James Kennedy, many years ago, wrote a, a way for us to share our faith. It's called Evangelism Explosion, and it, and it begins with this question. It's a pertinent question for this morning. If you were standing before God right now, and He said, Why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Would you say, because I've been a good man? Would you say, because I've been a good husband? Because I've been a good wife? Because I've been faithful to my family? What we find in America today is that's the standard answer that good works is there. The problem is, is that that's not what... The Lord Jesus says, we'll get you there. Heaven is a place that we should want to go. Heaven is a place that we want everybody in this room and everybody on stream. We want everybody to go there. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do so people will enjoy heaven. It's a beautiful place. I think about the beautiful place. I'm reminded of the little boy sitting on the front porch in his papa's lap. And he said, Papa. Now remember, here's the deal. The sun was going down. It had been a beautiful summer day. And he said, Papa, just look at that sun. Look at those beautiful clouds. Look at that beautiful blue sky. And, and Papa, you see the moon over here? It's so pretty and the stars are beginning to come out. And he said, Papa, if outside of heaven is this beautiful, can you imagine what it's like inside Revelation 21 kind of gives us a little taste of what it's like. A little taste of heaven as we share this together today. If you have found it, 
And you can, I'm going to tell you, we're going to read all 27 verses. It's going to take us a minute. If you can stand, I wish you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. If you can't, it's okay. Picking up in verse 1, it says, John is writing and he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and He will live with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more, because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. He also said, Right, because these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. The one who conquers will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowards, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came and spoke with me. Come. I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. He then carried me away in the Spirit to a high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, arrayed with God's glory. Her radiance was like a precious jewel, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. The city had a massive high wall with twelve gates. Twelve angels were at the gates. The names of the twelve tribes of Israel's sons were inscribed on the gates. There were three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. The city wall had twelve foundations, and the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb were on the foundations. The one who spoke with me had a golden measuring rod to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city was laid out in a square. Its length and width are the same. He measured the city with the rod at 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits according to human measurements, which the angel used. The building material of the wall was jasper, and the, city, and the city was pure gold, clear as glass. The foundation of the city wall was adorned with every kind of jewel. The first foundation is jasper, the second is sapphire, the third, chalcedony, the fourth, emerald, the fifth, sardonyx, the sixth, carnelian, the seventh, crystallite, the eighth, pearl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, chrysoprase, the eleventh, jacinth, the twelfth, amethyst. The twelve gates are twelve pearls. 
Each individual gate was made of a single pearl. The main street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. I did not see a temple in it, because the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb are in the are its temple. The city did not need sun or moon to shine in it, because the glory of God illuminates it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never close by day, because it will never be night there. They will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those written in the Lamb's book. Of life. Let's pray together. Father, for the next few minutes, would you take these words? Would you illuminate them? Would you shine them into our hearts? That, that we can be inspired, that we can be encouraged, that we can be drawn to this place called heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The goal today is to make everyone in this room want to go there. Fifteen months ago, as we began the journey through the book of the Revelation, we, entire, we take, took an entire message and we talked about the numbers of Revelation. We found out that the number seven is the perfect number. So, you got your bulletin, you've already swallowed Adam's apple, because I want to give you seven thoughts today about this place. You stay right with me. If we begin with... The master. The master of heaven. We find that in verse 5. He says, Then the one seated on the throne. Well, you remember from last week that the one on the throne is none other than Jesus. He, ta- he took the great white throne at the end of chapter 22. Execute judgment. And now he's not going to relinquish it. He is the one on the throne. He is the faithful and true. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He is the creator and sustainer. We begin with the maker. We begin with Jesus because it's all about Him. When we get outside of who Jesus is, we have lost our way. You see, Jesus sits on the throne. He reigns. He's designed. He's built. He's the master of heaven. The second that I would suggest to you today are the marks of heaven. What are the qualities? What are the characteristics? What are things that we see there from our scripture? Well, let me just give you four really quick. First of all, it's permanent. Chapter, verse 1 says, the old has passed away. The new has come. Tells us that, that those things that are temporal are gone, and now this is the holy city. This is the place where, where we've been longing to go one day, and it's permanent. It has no end. The second thing I will tell you, it's prepared. It's prepared. You can look in verse 2, and it says, It's prepared as a bride for her groom. Watch this. Have you ever seen, have you ever been to a wedding where the bride wasn't prepared? I've been doing weddings since... 1970 or 71, you never go to a wedding and see an ugly bride. Admittedly, there's been a couple of close calls. (laughs) 
You know what I'm talking about. You you go to the wedding and and that bride has prepared. Every, she's dressed to the nines. She's prepared everything. Not only that, Jesus gave His life. Ephesians chapter five tells us that He gave His life to prepare His bride to present her pure and unchaste to Himself. And by the way, John 14, for Jesus, just before Jesus ascended back, He said, I'm going to prepare a place. This place is built by the very hands, those bloody, nail-scarred hands of Jesus. It's not only a prepared place, it's a personal place. Because Jesus went on to say, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's got you in mind if you're one of His children he, he put it together. He builds it. He, pre, he prepares it, if you will. He, he is ready for you. It's a prepared place. It's a personal place. The kids, I say the kids, y'all don't beat me up. When we go over to the, to the center for dedication, our, our, our youth praise team in the making going to sing. When I think about this being a personal place, I'm reminded of the old lyric, 90 years old. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Many of you remember that. Ten days ago, two weeks ago, our group brought... Charity's version of that. There is a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Yes, it's mine. Now, this is the part I like best. And I know the author of my story. He's mine. Yes, he's mine. Well, here's Brother Jerry, which one of those do you like? You like the old gospel song or you like the progressive song? My answer is yes. You see, because here's the truth. When it comes to what we're talking about today, it's never been about style of music. It's been about the message. The new name in glory, I hope he's yours. I hope he's yours. We look at the marks. We look at, we look that it's a permanent place. We look that it's a prepared place. It's a personal place. Oh, but it's a peaceful place. <laughs> peaceful place. Now let me just calm the nerves of the young people and still the nerves of the old people. It's not going to be particularly quiet in heaven. There's going to be a lot of praising. There's going to be a lot of singing. There's going to be a lot of rejoicing in heaven. But it's going to be peaceful. Do you know why? Because what the Bible tells us is that all the stuff on earth that takes away our peace is going to be gone. Did y'all read that? It says, uh, um, He'll wipe away every tear from your eye. Death will be no more. Grief will be no more. Crying will be no more. Pain will be no more. They will be passed away. In fact, the war will be gone and over. The lion will lay down by the lamb. There will be peace in the valley one day. The marks of it. The majesty of this. This is so majestic. When you look down, you read in verse five, excuse me, verse nine, he says, and, and one of the angels, one of the angels that had poured out wrath, said, Come, I'll show you the bride. And he carried me away in the spirit, watch this, to a high mountain. Is there anything on earth that is more majestic than a mountain? Than a mountain. 
If you've been to the mountains, you know you just stand there in awe at the majesty of the mountains. About 15 years ago, we went on a cruise with a singer, Babby Mason. Babby had just gotten back from a North Alaskan cruise. And, uh, uh, and Deborah said to her, said, Babby, my bucket list is to go on an Alaskan cruise. By the way, I knocked off one more thing off of Deborah's bucket list last year, okay? We went to Alaska, but here's what I'm going to tell you. When Deborah asked Babby, she said, Babby said, you know, you know about Alaska? God was just showing out up there. Those mountains are so beautiful. They take your breath away. It's majestic. Now, when you look in the Scripture here, he takes him, this angel takes John away to the mountains. And it's not just empty mountains. There is a city there. If you, if, you, if you get there with me in verse 10, he carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain. He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem. By the way, eternity will not be spent up there. It will be spent in the new Jerusalem on the new earth. How about that? Pain and suffering and all is gone. This, this, this city is not only on a mountain, but it's got a high wall around it. Gates. It's got everything that you could ever want, and it's built by the hand of God. And by the way, if you look down into verse uh, 11, it talks about her radiance. That's the city. It's going to be a great place to spend eternity. I want you to see next the measurements of this. Some people want to know how big heaven is. The measurements. Well, he tells us right here, it's like somebody said, how big is this place? And so the angel said, I didn't think you'd ask, but if you did, I brought a rod. And he brought a rod and he measured it out. 12,000 stadia. Now let's put that in English language. Depending on who you talk to, it is between 1,400 miles and 1,500 miles. He calls it a square. For years we talked about the city built four square, but it's really more like a cube. Let me describe it for you. New York City, you know where that is? Jacksonville, Florida, almost to El Paso, Texas, up to the Canadian line. 14, 1,500 miles by 14, 1,500 miles. But that's just one story. And then it's 14 or 1,500 miles high. Todd Dubos' dad preached for years. I've, I've heard him preach this three or four times. That, and he took the measurements and he said, you know, taking these measurements, there's enough room in heaven for everybody to live comfortably and be comfortably. That's everybody who has ever lived. And the truth is, only those who trust Christ are going to be there. Well, you think about the measurements, you think about how big it is. And then I want you to think about the materials it's made from. The materials it's made from. You see, God gave His best in Jesus he gave us His best. And now Jesus went back and designed His best and did His work. We think about this heaven, I'm reminded of my acquaintance, Squire Parson. He wrote, he wrote that old song, Beulah Land. But the one that really touches my heart is he says, you know, some call it heaven, I call it home. You see, that's what heaven is supposed to be. And the materials there are not second-hand materials. Mike, Patrick, 
No second-hand materials there. there. There's no repurposing wood or gold. What is there is, is the best. There's nothing flawed there. I just want to give you this thought about the materials. And we could, we could be here two or three hours. But listen. On earth, we base our financial systems on this material called gold. You get buy gold. Let's get that commercial. Buy gold. Because gold is supposed to be valuable. You realize that what we base our finance system on down here is pavement up there. You read, you read all the things that go into the building. Sure, the pure gold, and you read all of those uh, gems that are that are there. You got streets of gold, you got walls of jasper, you got gates of pearl. And you look at all that picture and you go, wow. So I want to, as I kind of wind this down, can you imagine the missing? What's missing? Well, the Bible clearly tells us there are a couple of things missing. The first thing, there's not going to be any church buildings there. He didn't see a temple. Why? Because God's there. He's the temple. In fact, when I study history, God's church seems to be much healthier before Constantine put us in buildings in the 4th century. Now that we've got buildings, we've got other things to think about. Back then, they had nothing to think about but their walk with Jesus and how it was. We won't need we won't need light there. You know, we won't need any artificial light. We won't need LEDs or we won't need mercury vapors because the Lord is there and He gives us light. Some other things that I find in this text, ungodliness will not be there. If you look back in verse eight, the cowards, the faithless, those without faith. The detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers. Here's one big for America, the idolaters. And all liars will not be there. Because they will be someplace else. They will be experiencing punishment. While those in heaven will experience everlasting life. Those who do not know Christ will experience everlasting death. Another thing that will be missing there is unholiness. You can look over verse 27. Nothing unclean will ever enter it. Nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. The truth is, is that God has specific Parameters for those who get into heaven. He's made one way. And so we conclude with the last thought the makeup. What makes up the population? 
This truth, I want to say this to you, this truth can be a little frightening for people who leave God on the edge of their lives. For the people who do not embrace Jesus in a personal way, but maybe latch on to church attendance and tradition, it can be a little frightening. I can go back and read this, but the last, the last sentence of that chapter says, Whoever's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life will not make it in. For the first Jews that read this account, this had meant something special to them. So just give me a minute to, to share this with you. Most of us remember Nehemiah. <clears throat> Nehemiah, when the book opens, he was the cupbearer to, Ar- to King Artaxerxes over in Persia, a long way from home. And he got a burden to rebuild the wall and the city of Jerusalem. And so the short version is, he went to the king and asked for permission. The king not only supported him and sent him on his way, but he sent support of money and help to get to build the city. So Nehemiah went back and he, re- he rebuilt the gate in the city. Chapter 7 of Nehemiah says, The city was large and spacious, but few were therein. For you see what happened when the city got built. Now they were given back family land to the families who had been displaced. And what happened is that you came to town and you had to prove your lineage. And so what they did is they brought out the book of genealogy. If you couldn't prove your lineage, they would go to the book of genealogy. And for many, their names were not written in the book. And if their name was not written in the book, they didn't get to go into the city. So when chapter, when verse 27 of chapter 21 says, whoever's name's not written in the Lamb's book of life, these folks knew exactly. Brothers and sisters, there may be 12 gates into the city, but there's only one way. God sent His Son, Jesus, from heaven. The God who created it all, I've been doing some study. <laughs> I've been doing some study. I've always said I love the. I believe in the Big Bang theory. Bang, it happened. You know, if you if you study serious scientists today, and I, a serious scientist that practices good science, and they don't begin their study of the origins of the world with a with ruling out some supernatural possibilities, but. But when they study it, what they discover is that when the Cambrian explosion happened, is that most it lines up with the biblical account in Genesis that God spoke it into being and it happened. This same God saw his creation fall into sin and he sent his only son to shed his blood so that those who believe and trust in his son 
could have their name written in the book of life and spend an eternity in heaven. Question for you. Is your name written there? Let's pray together.